Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's HealthLock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, warmer days remind us of fond summer memories. Now you can make those moments year-round with a Michael Phelps swim spa by our friends at Master Spas, and that combines the leisure of a hot tub with the exercise benefits of a pool. Now Master Spas technology is incredible with LED lighting, beautiful waterfalls, and those super powerful water jets installed in just one day. You're going to love it. Proudly made in America. Use the promo code Hannity in the upper right-hand corner. That's masterspas.com for up to $1,000 off. You can exercise, relax, recover with the only hot tub and swim spa brand I trust, masterspas.com. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, happy Monday, 36 days till one of the most important elections in our lifetime. Aren't you excited? I'm looking at the Drudge Report. No sleep, irritability, heart palpitations, losing friends, election stress, fever pitch. Obama, it all started with Palin. Gary Hart, Hillary doesn't. The realignment. Anyway. Uh, anyway, happy you could be with us. You know, the question I keep getting asked over the way, oh, you got to help Trump. You got to do this. You got to do Tell him not to tweet. Tell him to do this. Oh, who's going to win? Who, that's a, who do you think is going to win? Who do you think is going to win? Who do you think what is the betting line, Linda, on the election? Do we have any idea what the betting line is? You don't know? I mean, that's where we ought to look because where are people putting their money? I think that's interesting. The, the short answer to all of your questions here are, um, I think Trump did fine in the first debate. There are certain adjustments I would make, and I'll go over those in the course of the program today. I think that Hillary is increasingly desperate. I think that I cannot tell you today and anybody that thinks that they can tell you who's going to win this election is just lying to you. And I think it's just speculation on their part. There's way too much that can happen between now and November 8th to make any of this certain. I just know that CNN is just obsessively. They've become the anti-Trump pro Hillary Clinton News Network again. And uh, I don't care what the New York Times printed this weekend. It doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot to me. I will tell you this, there's funny things to emerge in this. And, you know, the New York Times once referred to Donald Trump as the comeback kid. So that's the irony of all this, because they're making such a big deal over the fact that, well, Donald Trump took a net loss 20 years ago when Atlantic City went down the tubes. By the way, there's a whole government backstory to this that most people won't be able to tell you. And I'll get to that in a second. But. The story goes like this. So the New York Times runs this big exclusive yesterday claiming to have found out that Donald Trump 
paid no income taxes for the last 20 years. Now, for number one, they don't know that. That is speculation on their part. And it turns out the story has more holes in it than Hillary's email lies, which are many and numerous. Because what the Times only discovered is that Donald Trump suffered a nearly $1 billion loss in business revenue in 1995. Now, the, the, the net loss carry forward, you only have a 15-year period of time that you can do that. So this happened in, what, 95? So that would bring him to 2010, which means the last six years you would have been paying taxes if you bought into the assumption, because this is only an assumption. They only had three pages of Donald Trump's tax returns, which, of course, they obtained illegally and they printed, and there's a whole story behind that as well. But anyway, so it includes the claim that Donald Trump, $900 million loss, could have possibly, maybe, if we make a bunch of assumptions and you look at it their way, depending on certain variables, made that loss tax deductible. Now, nobody knows for sure whether or not that happened. Nobody. Anyway, those variables would include how Trump's various businesses are incorporated. Are they S-Corps? Are they C-Corps? Are, you know, did they make any profits in subsequent years that would cancel out any tax deductibility? Did he take his personal income in cash or stock? Is he compensated in some other way? What they didn't tell you is, is that he personally guaranteed the loans. And that's why I think... You know, the New York Times once said Donald Trump is the comeback kid because that was a huge loss for anybody. A lot of this, and this is where you, you get probably more details than anybody in any debate is ever going to bring up, is that a lot of it was related in government Washington tax law that actually changed the speed of write-offs for minor investors, which caused all of them to pull out of Atlantic City. In other words, Atlantic City's decline in part, I think, can be argued by the fact that Washington tax law incentivized investors, smaller investors in particular, not Trump who had guaranteed these loans himself, to actually pull out because at that point, if there were losses, they wouldn't be able to write them off, so they pulled their money out. So you could say government probably incentivized all of that. But that's a side note here. So the Times answers none of the questions about what kind of corporations they were, S-Corp, C-Corp, whether or not he made profits in subsequent years, that would have canceled out tax deductibility or whether or not, you know, he took personal income and in cash or stock or compensation in some other way. They don't answer any of those questions. Did the income go into a trust? That's another possibility. By the way, all these laws are written by rich Washington bureaucrats for rich Washington bureaucrats. These laws were not written for Donald Trump. He has to abide by them and fulfill the law. And he's never been accused of any type of tax evasion. As a matter of fact, I checked in with his campaign today. I said, is it true that he's paid no, no taxes in the last 20 years? And the answer was, no, quite the contrary. He's paid hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes. Um, but that's neither here nor there, especially when it comes to perceptions and a biased media, the number one donor to Hillary Clinton's campaign. Anyway, so it's possible, I guess, you know, what's amazing about the story is how they just line up every factor just the right way to maximize Donald Trump looking the worst possible way they can. And Hillary Clinton, in a speech today, how could anybody lose a billion dollars? I want you to listen to this. Y'all see the debate last Monday? Then you all know that in the debate, he said it was smart to avoid paying taxes. 
Yesterday, his campaign was bragging, it makes him a genius. Here's my question. What kind of genius loses a billion dollars in a single year? Let me answer both those questions. By the way, is that not so irritating? It's so irritating. Could you imagine four years of this? Um, Smart to avoid paying taxes makes him a genius. Well, the Clintons themselves, and I'll get into very specifics here in a minute, but they must have thought it was smart to avoid paying taxes. Otherwise, they would not have deducted in years gone by their old underwear. That's right. Bill's tidy whities whatever he wears, boxers or briefs. Yeah, they were deducted. Old underwear, used underwear, deducted, tax deduction. How much is uh, an old Victoria's Secret piece of lingerie worth these days? How much are tidy whities worth these days? How much are... <laughs> Boxer briefs work these days. How much, you know, the Clintons, apparently they thought it was smart to use every legal deduction possible. Otherwise, who could deduct their old underwear for crying out loud? Anyway, so and as it relates to, well, what kind of genius loses a billion dollars? Well, at least Donald Trump had guaranteed the loans himself. That was his loss, his investment, his risk, his money. It was his money. Let me read to you from the Washington Free Beacon, Friday, April the 4th, 2014. Headline is, State Department misplaced $6 billion under Hillary Clinton, according to an Inspector General report. The State Department misplaced and lost $6 billion due to the improper filings of contracts during the past six years, mainly during the tenure of former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, according to a newly released Inspector General report. The $6 billion in unaccounted for funds poses a significant financial risk and demonstrates a lack of internal control over the State Department's contract actions. Oh, she lost $6 billion, but don't worry, it wasn't our money. He's not guaranteed. It was you, it was your money, the taxpayer's money. Big difference there. Anyway, so if you... If you look at all the factors, I guess you can kind of line it up the way the New York Times did, but they're so desperate that they want to embarrass Trump and they want to turn him into Mitt Romney any way they can, and that's what they're trying to do here. It's obvious, but, you know, the way the income tax laws work, this is it. In other words, if, if, for example, you have losses in business, the purpose, the reason— Forget Donald Trump, because the laws weren't written for him. Let's say you are a general contractor. I remember one year when I first started my painting business, I was a painting contractor, and I had people working for me, and I was like 20 years old at the time, and I had people working for me that were married and had children to feed and mortgages to pay. They actually worked for the 20-year-old punk kid, me, and I just had this ability to gather up work and get people working and get it done attitude. And if I had to stay till three in the morning and be back at seven, that's what I did. And I ended up doing OK. So it was a little tough. But I remember one year by the time I deducted my truck and deducted my ladders and deducted this and deducted that and lost money on these jobs because I paid. I didn't bid it outright because I was learning and I made mistakes. Yeah, I remember filing out an income tax loss. The whole purpose of it is. You know, if you're a contractor, if you're a plumber, if you're a small business and you lose money, the tax code designed by Washington is designed to help you stay in business so that all those people that work for you don't get fired. And so after I put my losses on paper, whatever they were, I mean, I didn't make that. I wasn't talking about major money here, but uh, enough to keep a business afloat. So, you know, if you really want to see the economy go over the cliff, just tell businesses they can't deduct your losses. 
Wall Street would drop 5,000 points in a second. And you'd have millions of people laid off in days. And that said, if Donald Trump, what he did here, if it was so god awful, then it would seem Bill and Hillary have a lot of explaining to do themselves because they did the same thing. Not only did they deduct underwear, they used the exact same provisions of the tax code, which, by the way, are not available to us, the average working stiff. So the Clintons themselves avoided paying taxes on millions of dollars in income. Let's do what the New York Times didn't do. Let's compare and contrast. In 1994, when Hillary and her husband were facing these mounting legal bills because of all of their scandals they were involved in, at the time they created the Clinton Legal Defense Fund. Well, that fund raised a whopping $10 million to cover lawyers' fees and, by the way, to pay the sexual harassment claim of $850,000 to Paula Jones. That was the case against Bill. Well, while it would be completely illegal if you or I tried to deduct one single penny, and I have to pay for lawyers every year, if I tried to deduct my legal bills, I'd be handcuffed, perp-walked, mugshotted, and put in jail with Bubba. Not Bill. And Bill and Hillary, though, they used this highly complicated federal tax code just like Donald Trump. And they wrote off their entire legal fee and legal tab, including the money that they paid out to Paula Jones. They didn't pay one red cent for the money that they made in terms of income tax or gift tax on the millions and millions they collected. And just like Donald Trump, the Clintons exercised every legal loophole available to them to escape paying taxes and on the money that would otherwise have been taxable. You go to the Washington Post in February 99 at a news conference, Anthony Essay, a New York lawyer who's the trustee and the executive director of the Clinton Legal Defense Fund. He said the trust received twenty nine thousand five hundred contributions totaling about two point two million dollars from last August through the end of the year. He said that so far in ninety nine, the trust had taken in another eleven thousand contributions totaling more than eight hundred thousand dollars. And he said that as the end of. October, Clinton's legal bills totaled $9 million. The trust has paid $3 million in legal expenses on top of the 850000 paid by a previous trust, leaving an unpaid balance of $5.2 million. It's reachable, meaning the $9 million, he said, if asked if the donations to the trust will be enough to cover the legal bills. He also estimated that since October, Clinton has run up about another million in legal bills. Then the Post went on to note that the Clintons used loopholes in the tax code to avoid paying their fair share of gift taxes on the millions they collected. From the Washington Post, the maximum contribution of the trust is 10000 a year, the most that can be given without having to pay the federal gift tax. 39 people gave that amount. In a report on the establishment of the defense fund, the New York Times pointed out that the White House aide said Clinton could legally accept the money because under the federal law, under federal law, a president, a president only may receive gifts of any amount as long as he discloses the source of those exceeding 250 bucks in value. The Clintons will not be required to pay income taxes on the contributions. So they didn't have to pay for the big contributions. They didn't have to pay for the little contributions. And they used every single loophole in the tax laws so that they could avoid paying the money in legal fees and paying a legal judgment against Paula Jones. Oh, and by the way, in 2015... Yeah, Hillary Rodham Clinton and the Clintons uh, utilized the $700,000 loss to avoid paying taxes in 2015. If you want to be exactly uh, accurate, 699540 bucks in a tax deduction 
And that's more than 99% of what Americans earn in a year. And that, by the way, was in her long-term capital gains and losses statement form on her tax schedule, which was released to the public and not stolen and then leaked to the New York Times and put in there illegally by somebody else. But I guess that's the world we live in these days. So on top of the underwear and the legal defense fund and the long-term capital gains, looks like the Clintons use every loophole they possibly can. New York Times didn't report that now, did they? Shocking. Why would they? It's an election year. They hate Donald Trump and they want to help contribute to Hillary Clinton. You know, and the media attacks me for being honest about who I support. They're just a bunch of lying, dishonest thugs over there that have no sense of what their mission and job is, is to be a journalist. They're, they're all in for Hillary. And I get criticized because I'm actually say I'm a conservative and who I'm voting for. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of the program. 25 till the top of the hour. Well, do you want America to stay in decline or not? Did you see the article, Linda? Hannity says America's going to die if Hillary Clinton wins. No. I don't know what to make of this Drudge Report today. I am Bill Clinton's son. I am real. I want to meet my dad. Apparently he's doing a TV interview. There was no DNA test. Well, the other thing is uh, there's election stress is at a fever pitch. People are losing friendships over this election. No sleep, irritability, heart palpitations. Obama blames Sarah Palin. <laughs> you know, all my career, I'm now in my 30th year in radio. Uh, what's today's date, Linda? Today is, okay, October 6th. Well, I will begin my 21st year on the Fox News Channel. And if you believe news reports, I am unsupervised and have no boss. And I am an island unto myself. They're writing about me. You know how untrue that is? You know what the funny thing is? I'm going to tell you something funny. It's actually the opposite of what they're writing. But, of course, you know, why would they know? You know, there were past years that Hannity, Sean Hannity, actually did campaigning with candidates. And there were campaigns when I charter airplanes and I flew around the country for presidential candidates with people like Bill Bennett and Ollie North and Zell Miller and J.C. Watts and Neil Bortz. Uh I used to be allowed to do that. I've since been asked to stop, so I know I, I can't. Apparently, the island is not as free as everybody thinks that I am to do anything that I want. Um, and uh, I, when I'm told to not do something, I don't do it. I mean, that's it. Everyone's got a boss. Can't do everything. I just try to do the best show I can do every day. And I wish I could. Uh, I wish I did. If I didn't have any rules, oh, I'd do so much more. <laughs> I do so much more. But we all have bosses, and I feel I can do and say everything that I want, which is what makes Fox special, is they have, actually, I'm the only conservative host, when you really think about it, in the entire country. Well, now Mark Levin's got Levin TV, which is pretty cool. I mean, Mark's my buddy. I love him. Ah, he is. What are you rolling your eyes for? He's a great American and a friend of Oh, you were doing it to her. All right, I'm sorry. I didn't know what you meant. The New York Times paid no taxes in 2014 on a net pre-tax profit of $29.9 million. Well, they actually paid no taxes and got an income tax refund of $3.5 million. In other words, their post-tax profit was higher than their pre-tax profit. Explanation in their 2014 annual report is the effective tax rate for 2014 was favorably affected by approximately $21.1 million 
for the reversal of reserves for uncertain tax positions due to the lapse of applicable statutes of limitations. Oh, how many fancy accountants and tax lawyers did the New York Times need to make all that happen? Let me read that statement again. The effective tax rate for 2014 was favorably affected by approximately 21.1 million for the reversal of reserves for uncertain tax positions due to the lapse of applicable statutes of limitations. Mhm. They saved their money. Clinton's paid literally. They used the same thing. They actually deducted and their 2015 return long-term capital gains and losses a net loss of 699,540 bucks. Clinton's once also deducted their underwear. Not new underwear, their old underwear. By the way, don't you feel, I mean, isn't it sad we live in a country that you're so poor that you need to go and get free underwear that the Clintons might have worn, that Bill Clinton might have worn? I mean, what did he have? You know, tidy whities BVDs, boxers or briefs, boxer brief combo. What did he use? I don't even know if they had the boxer brief combo back in the day. I guess it was pretty much tidy whities or boxers, briefs or boxers. I don't know. I mean, did Victoria's Secret exist back in the day? When did Victoria's Secret get on the scene? I don't know. I don't know what. I don't even want to go there. And I'll be accused of something. I don't know what. I have no idea yet. I can make fun of Bill. Then, of course, they took. Oh, the Daily Caller had a great piece today. So the New York Times, they got their money. The Clintons paid no taxes on millions of dollars in income, even the money they used to pay Paula Jones. Even the whole legal defense fund. That we, none of us would be ever able to do that. In case you're interested, writing off your legal fees. The Daily Caller points out today, even Democrats admit there's nothing on the three pages of Trump tax refer, returns, which were obtained by the New York Times, that show anything even remotely illegal. Oh, so he's following the laws that people like Hillary and Bill put on the books. Okay, all right, not a problem. And a story that broke uh, last week, which gains new significance in the wake of the Times tax attack on Trump, we learned that Hillary actually took a tax deduction for criminal activity. Yeah, tax deductions that Bill and Hillary took for the computer maintenance expenses match up closely with payments they made to Brian Pagliano. He's one of the five important people in the Clinton's life that got immunity in this corrupt FBI cover-up over the email server scandal. Now, the payments to Pagliano were revealed in notes released on Friday from his December 22nd interview with the Bureau. Investigators cited documents showing the Clintons made a $5,000 transfer to Pagliano in 2009 and another in June of 2011 for 8350 bucks. The Clintons also depreciated computer equipment that was put in service in June of 2011, the same month that Pagliano traveled to the Clintons house in Chappaqua to work on the server, as well as at other times when major changes were made to off the book, the off the books email system. You get what my point is? You may recall, recall that on the advice of attorneys, Pagliano repeatedly pled the fifth and he didn't show up. That means his lawyers know that he could easily be prosecuted and then he got immunity and he still wouldn't talk. So he may be in trouble for that. So while Pagliano's dodging prosecution for the work he did for Hillary, Hillary was taking a big fat tax deduction for the crime she ordered Pagliano to commit. You can't make this stuff up. Let's see. Hillary took a tax deduction for the cost of destroying evidence. That's what I was saying here. Yep. Hillary's paid. Hillary paid no income taxes on millions of dollars in income. I, I, I don't even know what to say.
And this is the, you know, Hillary, how do you lose a billion dollars like Trump? Well, Washington Free Beacon, the State Department under Hillary lost six billion dollars. The inspector general report said the six billion in unaccounted funds poses a significant financial risk. The only difference between Trump, Trump actually guaranteed the loans himself. Hillary wasted your money in that case. Now, Hillary's attempts to slime the women her husband was fooling around with were so extensive and so ugly that now the New York Times even followed up on the Washington Post story, probably because they want to act like they're being a little bit fair. And they point out that Hillary outwardly was stoic and defiant defending her husband. But privately, she embraced the Clinton campaign's aggressive strategy of counterattack. Now, let me tell you what they're also doing here is they're trying to kind of pave the way, because I would imagine that Kathleen Willey, oh, she's on the program tomorrow, and Juanita Broderick and and Paula Jones are going to be talking soon. So they're probably trying to just pave the way a little bit. And privately, Hillary embraced the campaign's aggressive strategy of counterattack. Women who claim to have had sexual encounters with Mr. Clinton would become targets of digging and discrediting tactics that women's rights advocates frequently denounce. The campaign hired a private investigator, this is all that I told you last week, with bare-knuckles reputation who embarked on a mission, as he put in a memo, to impugn Mrs. Flowers, Jennifer Flowers' character and veracity until she is destroyed beyond all recognition. Well, they basically cut and pasted that from the Washington Post piece. In a pattern that would later be repeated with other women, the investigator's staff scoured Arkansas and beyond, collecting disparaging accounts from ex-boyfriends, employers, and others who claimed to know Miss Flowers' accounts, and the campaign then disseminated it to the news media. Well, it just goes on from there. And, of course, she did, I mean, they basically did a whole cut and paste of what the Washington Post did. So pathetic. They even quoted, you know, Gail Sheehy's book, you know, I'll crucify her, meaning Jennifer Flowers, but they didn't put in my quote, which is, what was the quote about Monica Lewinsky? She's a narcissistic looney tune. They forgot that one. By the way, in Ed Klein's book, and he'll join us at the top of the next hour, this is kind of creepy, brand new book called Guilty as Sin. He gives us a little look behind the curtain of Bill Clinton's private penthouse in his presidential library in Little Rock, Arkansas, where he claims, Ed Klein does, that the ex-president continues his cozy uh, relationship with interns and has uh, apparently naked parties on the roof discussing with advisors how his wife already scornful of his counsel, should deal with escalating scandals over her unsecured private email server. Anyway, let me read to you. We were on the terrace of his apartment, recalled the 20-something intern at the William Jefferson Clinton Presidential Library and Museum, who was massaging Bill's feet. We had a meal served from 42, the restaurant in the Little Rock Library, vegan stuff like kale salad, He often invites girls like me who work at the library to his apartment for a glass of red wine and a massage, the intern said in an interview for this book, meaning Ed Klein's book. He likes his neck and shoulders massage because he gets knots in his muscles. But what he really likes is to have his feet massaged. He just kicks off his loafers and socks and puts his feet on the coffee table. That makes him really, really happy. Slick Willie. Bill is always flirting with the women at the library. He knows everybody by their first name and is incredibly kind and generous. When he talks to you, it's like you're the only person in the world. 
I always called him Mr. President, naturally, but one day he looked at me with this horny look and said, call me Bill. I sort of knew that I was in. I know what people would say if they knew I gave him a foot massage, but hey, if it makes him happy, I'm happy to do it. The idea of touching the President of the United States that way is incredibly exciting to me. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. I never told anybody to lie. Not a single time. Never. Well, I did have inappropriate relations with that woman, and I lied right through my teeth like Hillary's lying about the server and about Benghazi. <laughs> Once he started talking about his plans for building a swimming pool on the roof of the library, he wants to have naked parties the way JFK had pool parties when he was in the White House. He had an architect give him a feasibility report on building a pool, and it turned out that it would have been very expensive to build and disruptive to the functioning of the library. Anyway, the National Archives, which administers presidential libraries, probably would have vetoed the idea, so he dropped the plan. But for a while, he thought about getting an above-ground pool for the girls to splash around it. Do you doubt any of this? I don't. Not one bit of it. Not one bit. Not even close to a bit. Anyway, eight hundred nine four one. Sean, let's go to uh, Sue Ellen is in Pittsburgh, PA. What's up, Sue Ellen? By the way, Ben Roethlisberger was great yesterday. Had a great game. He's um, almost always really great, don't you think? <laughs> unlike Ryan Fitzpatrick, who disappointed again, he's had nine interceptions in two freaking weeks. Do you know? You, do you not feel my pain here? Right, right. I do. I do. Nine. Like, How like do you have nine? Pittsburgh, anyhow. Um, let me. I want to tell you a story very quickly. Um, this is in regards to the Secret Service gentleman that were on a couple weeks ago. Um, when my uncle got out of the uh, Vietnam War, he was with the FBI for a few years. He went on to become a bigwig with Saturn. And in the early 90s, Al Gore was going to the Saturn plant in Tennessee. Of course, my uncle was there. Now, I don't know if this was because my uncle was F- ex-FBI, um, but the Secret Service men told him all those years ago, all those years ago, that when Hillary gets mad at uh, a bill, she picks up a plate, oh, say, from the Lincoln administration or a vase from some other administration and throws it at Bill. And that was all those years ago, before anybody knew anything about all these various women's and, and the uh, women, I'm sorry, and the degree to which she, you know, um, less women. But... Um, you know, all those years ago, she would hurt that that fit right in with what your Secret Service men said about regarding her personality. I have heard this for more. Listen, I've been around a lot of Secret Service men over the years. You know, I've, right. I, I've been doing this for, as I mentioned, a long time. Right. And I got to tell you something. They all tell me the same thing. Anybody right. and, and the guys that are watching him now in Chappaqua, I'm telling right. you, it's the same thing with them, too. They're right. all, they all know. They all know. Yeah. They all know about the Energizer. They all know about the new girlfriend. They all know about the old girlfriends. They know everything. Right. Right. And, and uh, you know, I just I thought it was interesting because, you know, of course, that never really will get reported on on any other uh, show except for yours, really. You know, I, I am standing thought. out here on a, as an island, and I understand that. By the way, Linda, weren't we out on a limb in 2007 and eight? Weren't we out on a limb in, in, in 2012? Uh, you know, we're out on a limb again, but this is what we do, Sue Ellen. And uh, you know what? I'm proud that we do what others will not do. Weren't we out on a limb with the Swift Boat Vets 2010? Weren't we out on a limb with the Tea Party? This is all we do. This is all I care to do. And I, if, if all these little P 
pipsqueak writers think for one second I give a flying rip about anything they write. I don't. Everyone's predicted every election year I'll be fired after. Yeah, all the time. Oh, my God, Hannity, you really went so hard with the swift boat vets for truth. I'm like, yeah, I did. Absolutely. 2007, 2008, you were really hard on, on Barack Obama. Well, I tried to warn everybody. By the way, eight years later, guess who was right? Hello, me. <laughs> I was right. And then 2012, we went, we went hard for Romney. And I have no regrets. I think he would have been a great president. And I hope Trump wins. This election is about very big, profound differences. If the country decides to elect Hillary Clinton, that's your choice, not mine. But you'll get the Supreme Court nominees you deserve. You'll get the economy you deserve. You'll get health care you deserve. You'll get borders that are not controlled. You'll get a president that can't say radical Islam. You'll get refugees that are not vetted and a 550% increase. Good luck. Enjoy it. And I'll sit there and I'll be saying a lot of, I told you so, told you so, told you so, told you so. Some are new to politics completely. They're children of the Great Recession. And they are living in their parents' basement. Uh, They feel that they got their education and the jobs that are available to them are not at all what they envisioned for themselves. And they don't see much of a future. I met with a group of young uh, black millennials today and, you know, one of the young women said, you know, none of us feel like we have the job that we should have gotten out of college. Um, and we don't believe that the job market is going to give us much of a chance. So that is a mindset that is really affecting their politics. And so if you're feeling that you're consigned to, you know, being a barista or, you know, some other job that doesn't pay a lot and doesn't have much of a ladder of opportunity attached to it, then the idea that maybe, just maybe, you could be part of a political revolution is pretty appealing. You saw what happened about taking the Fifth Amendment and her ringleaders getting immunity deals, we'll call them really the FBI Immunity Five. Nobody's ever seen. They gave so much immunity, there was nobody left to talk to. There was nobody left except Hillary. They probably gave her immunity too. Do you think Hillary got immunity? Yeah, she had the immunity. She had something. You know, when you think of it, She did so much worse than anybody else. People that did a tiny fraction of what she did, their lives have been destroyed. And here she is running for president. It's a honestly, it's a disgrace. Foreign enemies with easy access to hack her server, and they did, lies to Congress under oath about turning over her work-related emails. Remember she said on her emails, it was about yoga classes and it was about a wedding. 33,000 yoga wedding. She and her financial backers will say anything, do anything, lie about anything to keep their grip on power, to keep their control over this country. The American people have had with years and decades of Clinton corruption and scandals. Corruption and scandals. And impeachment for lying. Impeachment for lying. Remember that? Impeach. They're tired of the lies. They're tired of the trivial politics. They're tired of being talked down to, looked down upon, and treated like second-class citizens. And they're phenomenal people. You are phenomenal people. 
the Clintons are the sordid past. We will be the very bright and clean future. All right, hour two of the Sean Hannity Show. Write down our toll-free telephone number. We'd love for you to join us, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. The first tape is Hillary trashing Bernie Sanders supporters and millennials living in mommy's basement. Well, the, the problem with that is simple. We now have the lowest labor force participation rate since the 70s. There are no jobs available. Of course, there's competition with the illegal immigrants, and they're driving down wages and taking away opportunity, and... She wants to put to put an entire industry coal out of business and coal workers out of jobs. But anyway, and then, of course, Donald Trump uh, fighting back on all of this. Uh, there's a brand new book out by author Ed Klein, number one New York Times bestselling author. It's called Guilty as Sin. And he joins us now in studio. It is the number one book on Kindle, and it's not really released until tomorrow, though you can buy it on Amazon right now. How are you? Um, I'm great. What's going on? Well, you know. One of the stories that has not been given any airtime, Sean, is that President Obama is so concerned about Hillary's health that he offered to make the Walter Reed Hospital available to her for a checkup. And she refused. And she refused to do that because she was afraid that the truth about her health health would leak out. And so the belief is, and you have reported here in this book, that she had a leaking heart valve, or feared she has it, and fear, and she does have arrhythmia. She has arrhythmia, and she's uh, got these bouts of lightheadedness because her blood pressure is too low. She has fainting spells, and I've talked to her friends who've been with her in Chappaqua. She has trouble climbing steps in Chappaqua, no, mm-hmm. no less climbing steps in public. Wow. What else can you tell us about her health? Well, you know, she's been covering this up as best she can, and she has doctors at the New York Presbyterian Hospital where she goes every few weeks. They uh, have a separate secret entrance for her to go down with the Secret Service so nobody knows she's there. She's given a complete checkup because what they're worried about finally is really the blood clots because she has a tendency to blood clot. That's why she's on lifelong Coumadin and anticoagulant. Exactly, and if she falls again and hits her head, the blood clot in a brain could be, you know, fatal. What do you make of this Drudge Report today? Uh, I am Bill Clinton's son. I am real. I want to meet my dad. He's going to give the first TV interview and says there was no DNA test. What do you make of all that? I make that I've been reading about that for about, uh, what, 15, Uh, 20 years in in the National Enquirer? Right. I mean, this but, is not a new story. But the National Enquirer gets a lot of things that's right. That's true. That's true. And you, you know, think with, there's a possibility or of no? Co- of course there's a possibility. Because I've been reporting in this book, Guilty as Sin, yeah. that Bill is still up to his old shenanigans. He's wow. never stopped. So we have a woman that has deep vein thrombosis. And again, that's part of the blood clotting issue. Venal cerebral thrombosis she had. Double vision. Hyper, hypothyroidism. Pneumonia she had. Uh, we know about the, the clots, the allergies, the concussion, where right. she couldn't even remember she was ever briefed on cybersecurity when she became Secretary of State. So these health issues are front and center in your book. They're front and center, and I'm told that her best pal, Huma Abedin, brings coal compresses to her when she's home because she has her feet elevated because she's worried about the blood clots, and she really is exhausted. She 
what she's putting on in public is basically a show. Behind the scenes, this is not a well woman. Let's talk about another part of this, the story that you wrote in your book, Guilty as Sin. You start your first chapters about Hillary, your second chapters about Bill, but you know, you kind of bring us a little bit behind the curtain in terms of the private penthouse in his presidential library in Little Rock, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And you claim the president continues his relationship with interns and and muses about, you know, naked pool parties on the roof and discusses with advisors. How, how could he go on a roof and be naked when he's a former president? Well, first of all, this is the fifth floor of his library in Little Rock. He has these young interns, 20-something interns, who he invites up, I interviewed two of them. Not one of them, but two of them. They both said that they give him foot massages. This is 20-something-year-old interns that work at the William J. Clinton Clinton Presidential Library Museum massaging his feet. In his penthouse apartment. He has a huge penthouse apartment on the fifth floor, and he has a terrace outside. And the terrace, he chips uh, golf balls into the Arkansas River from the terrace, and he invites women up there. And I interviewed one of his closest advisors, a guy who has known him for decades. And he told me that Bill takes a hose and sometimes hoses down these women because he has what you might call a wet T-shirt contest up there. So he likes his neck, his feet, and his shoulders massage. But he likes to have his feet in particular. He And he lets these 20-year-old women do this to him. And there are long quotes from these women, not one but two, about how much they like to do it. They say, oh, touching the president of the United States is very exciting. Well, uh, did they go on the record with you? Not by name, but they certainly um, confirmed each other's stories. That's pretty unbelievable. All right, let's go. So let's talk a little bit more about the the staff of Hillary and this whole Comey primary and how she was able to get away with you know, I can play it again. I played it many times for my audience. But when Trey Gowdy questions Comey and she lied about this, lied about this, lied about this. Right. So she lies all these times. And as Trump said in that opening piece here, I mean, any other person, they've lost their lives, their careers. They can't work in government ever again. You know, Comey was considered by all the liberals as the Elliot Ness of his time, right? Untouchable, above power. That's that's a total misreading of James Comey. James Comey did not become FBI director by falling off a turnip truck. He's a smart, clever, politically motivated guy, and he treated her, as we now know, differently than he would have treated anybody else, and she got away with murder. Yeah. What about, look, I agree with all that, and it also we have to assume that the Russians, that the Iranians, that the Chinese hacked into this, which no. would mean if she's elected... She would be somebody that could be blackmailed. That's right. And even Comey said that when she was traveling in what he called sophisticated adversary countries, China, Russia, wherever she went, she was using that BlackBerry, which was easily hackable. Well, she used more than that. And remember, she had somebody bust up all her devices with hammers and, and to really make sure that you couldn't get it. She used bleach pit. And she answers Ed Henry by saying, you mean like with a cloth that I wipe it clean with like a cloth? And bleach bit is, you know, as Trey Gowdy once said, is something that God couldn't even find them or recover them. Catherine uh, Herridge, uh, I saw a Shannon Bream tweet from earlier today, a Fox colleague, is saying that the FBI made side deals with two Hillary Rodham Clinton associates to destroy their laptops after inspecting them. Now, 
How do you explain that? How do you explain the five immunity deals that were granted? How do you explain James Comey threading the needle, admitting she lied all over the place, and and there's not following there, up with a criminal referral? In my view, there's only one way to explain all this, is that Comey decided at some point during this investigation that if he went all the way with Hillary, he would have destroyed his own reputation because the whole world of liberals, the uh, Clintons, the Obamas, the Democrats in so Congress. So he was concerned about his legacy. That's right, exactly. But isn't you know, his legacy now that he let a guilty, a sin well, person off the that, hook? that's not what he intended, of course. You know, the building that he now occupies, the uh, J. Edgar Hoover FBI building, is right. literally falling apart. It's it's old and, and it's pieces of the facade are falling apart. They've mm-hmm. got to take that down and rebuild it. And Comey has told his friends that he would love that new building to be called the James Comey FBI building. Wow. So major donors to the Clinton Foundation. Now, we talk a lot about that scandal, too. I mean, she took all this money from countries like Saudi Arabia. I, I How this hasn't come up in this presidential race but for me is unbelievable because of their horrible treatment of women as third-class citizens, killing gays and lesbians and persecuting Christians and Jews. And she takes all this money from them. It's not an issue. You also claim in the book that donors to the Clinton Foundation kept Boko Haram off the official U.S. terror list while she was Secretary of State? How much money did that cost? Well, there was this guy, a Nigerian, um, a guy who is the biggest construction magnet in Nigeria, and he gave millions to the Clinton Foundation in return for not having that Boko Haram designation, which which is in Nigeria, designated as a... Terrorist group. These are the guys that kidnapped all these young girls. That's right. And if he was concerned that if it was designated, then Nigeria would be itself considered to be a terrorist state. So he got a, a pass from Hillary Clinton. Well, the people that are giving her the biggest pass is the mainstream media because they haven't gone into any of this. You said a mouthful. Yeah, I really did. So when Bill Clinton met Loretta Lynch, while well, she's under investigation by the Justice Department, the FBI, and he meets her on the tarmac. Yes. And they have this long conversation. Now they're just catching up as friends. What do you think happened? Well, I know what happened because I... Bill told his pal what happened, who told me. Bill got on the plane, right? and he, it wasn't what he said to her. It was the very fact that he got on the plane. And he told his friend later that she was so upset and shaking because she knew what she had done, that she had done something wrong, that her husband was on the plane too, was rubbing her back and, and massaging her her, her uh, hands. In other words, letting him on the plane was the mistake. And she knew it as soon as it happened. Why didn't she kick him off the plane? And he said she he saw sweat on her upper lip. That's how excited and upset she was. Well, because, you know, he's the guy who originally appointed her as a U.S. attorney years ago. So she didn't feel she had the strength to tell somebody who who believed in her, get off the plane, but she your knew wife's she, under investigation. And she knew from get-go that it was the wrong thing that, that she did. But that colored the investigation completely. Right. Wow. Uh, all right. So the book is called Guilty is Sin. Uh, it's officially out tomorrow, but you can buy it right now on Amazon and it'll be delivered within know, a day within or a two. Day. Right. Uh, but you bookstores all over the country tomorrow. You're on TV with us tonight. I am. And uh, we look forward to having you. Still a lot more to get to than we have so far. And uh, it's called Guilty as Sin. It's up on Hannity.com. You can get it at Amazon.com. Ed Klein, destined to be another number one New York Times bestseller. I hope the country pays attention to it because there's a lot of great reporting in there, which means I just I haven't figured out reading it which what part Media Matters will hit you on until you say you're a liar about. <laughs> right.
um, which is always entertaining when I can guess right. Anyway, thank you, sir. Thank you. To be, great to be here with you. It has been reported you've made $5 million making speeches. The president's made more than $100 million. Well, if, if you, you have no reason to remember, but we came out of the White House not only dead broke, but in debt. You made three speeches for Goldman Sachs. You were paid $675,000 for three speeches. Was that a mistake? I mean, was that a bad error in judgment? Look, I made speeches to lots of groups. I told them what I thought. I answered questions. But did you have to be paid $675,000? Well, I don't know. Um, that's what they offered. So, um, <laughs> uh, you know, every, every Secretary of State that I know has done that. But you that's know, usually once their office and not running for an office again. Well, I didn't must know. Have known. To be honest, I wasn't, I wasn't committed to running. I'm really proud of the Clinton Foundation. I am proud of the work that it does. Thanks to the Clinton Foundation, nine million more people in our world have access to HIV AIDS drugs because they negotiated contracts that made them affordable. And there is absolutely no connection between anything that I did as Secretary of State and the Clinton Foundation. I've heard you say that there's no evidence that any of the donors who have given to the foundation received anything in response from the State Department while Secretary Clinton was there. Nobody even suggested it or talked about it or thought about it till the political season began and somebody said, well, what about this? Now, some of the companies that have supported the foundation for years, many of them before she was ever Secretary of State, she was a senator when I left office, right. so they do this, they do philanthropy too. No one has ever asked me for anything or any of that. Can you really say that these companies, these wealthy individuals, these governments, none of them sought anything? I mean, some of them did have business before the State Department. I don't know. You never know what people's motives are. And with respect to uh, the foundation, I am very proud of the work the foundation does. I'm very proud of the hundreds of thousands of people who support the work of the foundation. I don't think that I did anything that was against the interests of the United States. Do you understand, though, that the perception itself is a problem? No. You don't? No. I'm, look, I don't want to get into the weeds here. I'm not responsible for anybody else's perception. I asked Kelly about this, and she said, you know, no one's ever tried to influence me by helping you. No one has even suggested they have a shred of evidence to that effect. I know how much money influences the political decision-making. Of course, because you've been influenced more than anybody. Anyway, glad you're with us. 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. All right, so it all started this weekend when the New York Times runs a big exclusive yesterday claiming... They found out Donald Trump may may have may have paid no taxes for the last 20 years. Now, this story has more holes in it than Hillary's email lies or Benghazi lies or lies about pretty much everything. Because what the Times really only discovered, kind of illegally, actually, is that Donald Trump did when Atlantic City went under. Uh, he his company, along with all the other ones, went down with it. And nearly $1 billion loss in business revenue in 1995. Now, Hillary's claiming, well, how could anyone lose a billion dollars a year? Well, he's still worth billions and billions of dollars. And uh, Hillary did lose $6 billion because of improper contracting uh, during her time as Secretary of State. And it was all unaccounted for funds. And the Inspector General report said, as a result, it poses a significant financial risk and demonstrates a lack of internal control over the department's contract actions. So she lost $6 billion, but of course, that was taxpayer money. Trump lost his own. 
Anyway, what the Times didn't include is, on top of everything else, is that Hillary Clinton has her own issues with money and her own issues with taking big, extravagant tax deductions. For example, you know, the $900 billion loss that might have been used to offset other income, but maybe not. But then we've got this whole story of the Clinton Legal Defense Fund, and they raised $10 million, a whopping $10 million, including the $850,000 to pay off Paula Jones for the sexual harassment claim. Well, guess what? For them, it's it for us, it would be completely illegal if we tried to deduct a single nickel out of our legal tab. Bill and Hillary, well, guess what? They use the highly complicated federal tax code to write off their entire legal tab, the whole thing. By the way, the same couple that once actually deducted their old underwear, made a tax deduction of who would do that. Anyway, so Hillary also used, it turns out as recently as 2015, the same arcane tax rule that Donald Trump used 20 years ago to cancel out some of her income tax liability as she put forward a $700,000 loss in her 2015 return, 699540 to be exact. Anyway, to go through all of this, we brought in our experts. Daniel Geltrude is with us, CPA tax expert. Larry Kudlow, of course, from CNBC. Also the author of the brand new book, JFK and the Reagan Revolution, A Secret History of American Prosperity. Welcome, all of you. Thank you, Sean. Thanks, right. Sean. Larry, because I know you're from New York. You know the Atlantic City story as well as anybody. Uh, it shouldn't surprise anyone because all of the casinos in Atlantic City declined very quickly. Well, yeah, look, you know, here's what I haven't read yet, but it's very important. First of all, Trump did nothing illegal. Even the Times said there's nothing illegal about Well, the that. only thing illegal is them printing it. That's right. That's correct. And it's three pages of what we don't really know and whether there's any credence to it or not. There's nothing wrong with carrying forward net operating losses. In real estate, I believe you get a 15-year carry forward uh, period. Okay, let's just, that's number one. Number two, you're right. The decline of Atlantic City was in a big slump. And what we forget is, going back to the 1986 tax reform bill, which was a great bill in many ways, it take the top rate from 50% down to 28%. However, it also made some really important changes in real estate tax law. This is what I'm not reading or hearing from people. Um, it comes down to something a little arcane, but it just means how fast can a real estate uh, uh, plan, a real estate project, how fast can you write off uh, expenses against uh, tax liabilities? That's what it comes down to. It's called accelerated cost depreciation. Now, it, passive investors who might have invested in an Atlantic City hotel would not have received the full losses. In fact, they probably wouldn't have received hardly any of the losses they expected for future write-offs because the law was not grandfathered. It's the first time in legislative history that a major law on taxes was not grandfathered. So a lot of commercial buildings, a lot of rental buildings went down in flames as passive investors had to withdraw because the new uh, depreciation laws no longer covered them. I'm going to bet you, and I might have to spend the day researching this, that that was one of the issues that caused Atlantic City's real estate, a.e., a, the gambling uh, 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 casinos, to go down. And it's a miracle here that Trump, who was basically himself 
uh, in the red by maybe as much as a billion dollars because of the change in tax law and because all his investors withdrew. It's a miracle he ever came back. And in fact, the New York Times once wrote an article years ago, ago that Trump himself was uh, the comeback kid, is what they called him. So this whole thing is blown up. It is much to do about nothing. Any decent tax accountant would tell you that what Trump did was correct and would also tell you why all a lot of his investors, or most of his investors, probably pulled out and took his cash cushion away. Wow. What do you think? We have a CPA and tax expert with us. It just so happens, Larry, and his name is Daniel Geltrude. Daniel, what do you take, uh, what's your take on what Larry just offered? Well, I'm very impressed with what Larry had to say. Are you sure you're not a CPA? <laughs> very impressive. Larry's a pretty uh, you know, smart I, guy. I like Larry. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Larry's right on the money. And, and let me tell you this. I, I actually agree with the, the premise here that this is much ado about nothing. Let's look at what the New York Times is saying and, and, and where they're trying to lead people down a road. First of all, they, they, they have three pages of a tax return, which they shouldn't have, but they have it. And they take us down the road immediately to start saying, Trump didn't pay taxes for 18 or 20 years, immediately, having no basis for making that assumption. These net operating losses, they are meant to help businesses who sustain losses to not go out of business. So let's make the example really basic because everybody wants to focus in on Trump and attack Trump because he's wealthy and he's successful. Let's take the plumber who has a $90,000 loss, okay? And the economy is tough, and he's fighting and, and scratching to get back. Well, when, when that business starts to come back, doesn't it actually seem right that he shouldn't have to pay taxes until he digs out of the $90,000 hole? That's what we're talking about. That's the intent. Now, the tax law is really complicated and changes need to be made. But on this specific issue, the reason everybody is getting so bent out of shape is, one, because the number's big. Well, Donald Trump is a big businessman, so the numbers are well, What about big. Hillary Clinton saying in um, part two of her income tax, now she released it herself, it wasn't obtained illegally, you know, that she took a $699,000, $540 tax deduction um, herself, and this was in 2015. What do we interpret from that? That was based on long-term capital gains and losses. Well, it's it's the same it's the same thing here, Sean. What what the New York Times is trying to say, in infer rather, is that the tax laws were written for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. That's what they're inferring. They're using words like tax avoidance. There's no basis for tax avoidance here. By the way, by the way, um, let's also not forget this, this. This was not just for Donald Trump. That's nonsense. I was there in Washington, Sean, uh, when you know whole, the Reagan team worked with. Um, Richard Gephardt and Bill Bradley, Democrats, to get that 86 bill passed, including Dan Rosenkowski. It had nothing to do with Donald Trump at the time. Nothing to do with him at the time. What it had to do was some very bad tax policy and the failure to grandfather uh, losses. Look, Bill Seidman, William Seidman, the late William Seidman, a dear friend of mine, was the absolutely incorruptible chairman of the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. And what he had to do, because of the real estate crash of the late 80s and the early 90s, because of the tax reform of 86, 
He had to set up a separate operation inside the FDIC to work out and sell all of the properties across the country. These are commercial properties predominantly. Savings and loans and banks were going under because of the stupid failure to grandfather uh, this real estate thing. Had nothing to do with Donald Trump. Bill Seidman was a hero because he worked us out of it. Trump and his uh, investments were victimized by this. That's all. There's nothing he could have done. The miracle is, as I said earlier, the guy survived, number one, and number two, he came back stronger than ever. Remember this regarding Atlantic City. His name was on the loans given to build the casinos. He personally guaranteed those loans. Right? People, he went, and that's why he lost so much darn money. So it's not anything illegal. He was not evading anything. He was just. Well, it's on top of that, too. I talked to somebody in his campaign today. They said, no, over the last 20 years, he's paid hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes. Well, I'm sure that's true because my calculation, I don't know, maybe Dan can help me on this, but my calculation was that the. The so-called uh, net loss uh, carry forward uh, was 15 years. So if 95 is your base, the thing was over by 2010, and that means for the past five years, I'm sure he has paid millions of dollars of uh, taxes uh, because he lost the net income, the net operating loss. So, yeah, I'm sure that's correct. But the point is that law in 86 was not directed at Trump, Everybody got clobbered in the early 90s. Just go back and think of your own So home. the 86 law basically said to more passive investors right. that you cannot write off losses, so they all pulled out their money. That's correct. That it changed the speed at which the write-offs could be made. That put all kinds of people into bankruptcy, by the way. And the active investor had to take the losses him or herself. And that's the, the wonderful part of Trump's story is, as the active investor who got slammed by all this and lost a fortune, he came back from it, for Christ's sakes. Nobody wants to write about that. He actually had a comeback, which the venerable gray lady wrote a piece about. Uh, Sean, you and I should get hold of that piece. Uh, somebody else told it to me by phone today. They even praised him for the comeback. All right, last word, Daniel. We got to run. Well, I'll just say this: I'm gonna I'm gonna reference Warren Buffett here because nobody's talking about him when he's in a lower tax bracket than his secretary, and he's proud of it. He's proud of it, but I don't see him writing a check to make up the difference in that loophole. So, to me, this is all about an attack on Trump. It has nothing to do with what Trump has been saying. He knows how to address the issues in the tax code. Smart. I agree with him. And uh, anyway, glad you both could clarify. Thank you both for being with us. Larry, thank you. Thanks, and Sean. Daniel, thank you. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Sean. We have been moving off track for decades. I don't need to tell you that. You know it. You've lived it. You've seen it. But it is time to get back on track. And you can ask anybody who's ever worked for me or worked with me, who's ever served with me. When I tell you I'm going to try to do something, I will get up every single day and work my heart out for you. You all see the debate last Monday? Well, then, then you all know that in the debate he said it was smart to avoid paying taxes. Yesterday his campaign was bragging it makes him a genius. Here's my question. What kind of genius loses a billion dollars in a single year? 
All right, glad you're with us. News Roundup, Information Overload Hour. All right, now focus on what Hillary just said. What kind of genius loses a billion dollars in a single year? Well, let me read from the Washington Free Beacon. Friday, April 4th, 2014. The State Department misplaced and lost some $6 billion due to the improper filing of contracts during the past six years, mainly during the tenure of former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, according to newly released Inspector General reports. The $6 billion in unaccounted for funds poses a significant financial risk and demonstrates a lack of internal control over the department's contract actions. And it goes on from there. So she lost $6 billion. So I guess she wins on the losing money. Now, the Clintons paid no taxes on millions of dollars in income now that the taxes are front and center. What the New York Times actually discovered is that, okay, Trump suffered a nearly $1 billion loss in business revenue mostly due to the fact that Atlantic City was going down the tubes and it was and he with it, which is only one business. So anyway, how is it the Times, by the way, admits that no one actually answers these questions? You know, are they S-Corps? Are they C-Corps? Did they make any profits in subsequent years that would cancel out tax deductibility? Did he take home any personal income cash or stock that he compensated in some other way? Anyway, but if you really want to see this, you know, in all of its entirety, in 1994, when Hillary and her husband faced mounting legal bills because of all their scandals while well, they raised a whopping 10 million dollars to cover their lawyers fees and pay paula jones her eight hundred fifty thousand dollars settlement for the sexual harassment case well guess what it would be completely illegal if you and i ever tried to deduct a single nickel of our legal bills but guess what bill and hillary used the highly complicated federal income tax code and they wrote off the entire legal tab and had everyone else pay for it Isn't that nice? They didn't pay one red cent in income taxes on the $10 million they took in for their legal defense and the judgment for Paula Jones, not a penny. On top of that, we know the Clintons also deducted their underwear, their old underwear. (laughs) That's Rick Unger dying over here. By the way, you're going to have to defend that in a minute. I'll give you all the time you need to come up with a good answer. I know you could. I'm going to defend my my underwear deductions. Jeez, I think you ought to pay people to take your old underwear. Uh, It turns out as recently as 2015, Hillary Clinton used the same tax rules that Donald Trump used 20 years ago to cancel out much of her income tax liability as possible. Now, with the leaked Trump return in 95 and that scandal focusing on net operating loss and how it might have legally enabled him to pay no taxes for years, which was speculation on their part. We now discover none other than Hillary Rodham Clinton utilized a $700,000 loss to avoid paying some income taxes. Whoopsie daisy. Three, the same rules. Three no, seven hundred thousand. No, have, I know the actually, loss. The loss was six hundred and ninety-nine thousand five hundred forty. But she only got a three thousand dollars deduction out of it. Okay, no, you can actually, if you use it. No, no that's didn't. not true. She took a six hundred. Actually, have the She took a six hundred and. By the way, joining hey, us now Sean. is Rick Unger and Michael Steele. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Michael. Hey, hey Son. Yeah. On, on on that point, you can only take up to three thousand dollars right. in any given tax year for that type of loss. It was a capital gains loss. Right. Sorry. And by the way, it was a trust that had the contributions to the uh, Clinton Defense Fund, and you can deduct. I just I I, I just went through the bills. same thing, Sean, with my accountant and lawyer. Well, then how come tr- then how come the New York Times is assuming that Trump could have written all of it off? Because the New York Times has an agenda. Well, and the, what you're right about one question you asked, and that is we don't know if it was a corporate loss. We don't know if it was a personal loss. As you say, if it was an S corporation, the loss would bleed through to him. We don't have those answers. Uh, and if it was and a by corporate the way, loss, he couldn't write off a nickel personally. You know, so. Do you remember when Newt Gingrich had his phone hacked? 
and everybody was all upset about what was said on the phone call. Well, I hacked it, so I remember. You, yeah. yeah. All right. How do you justify deducting your old underwear, which the Clintons do? How so do they lecture I, Donald Trump on using legal deductions, and they deduct their old underwear? By the way, here's uh, Bill's tidy whities and here's Hillary's, you know, I don't know what Hillary wears. The, the, three of us, the three of us wear suits on TV, and nobody even lets us deduct that, let alone our underwear. Listen, I don't pay for my suits on TV. Fox News I does. I do. They give me all the clothes. I never wear them, though. I only wear the jacket. I never wear the pants. I wear jeans everywhere hey, I go. By, by the way, Michael, wasn't it nice of yeah. us to drop in on Sean? Were you as despondent as I was last week when you oh, heard in the debate that nobody will call Sean Hannity? Oh, it broke my heart. Here we go. If somebody would call up Sean Hannity. All right. Are you done? Are you, you want, you have more? Let me guess. Next, you want to talk about Alec Baldwin somebody on Saturday Night please, Live. Is that right? Somebody please call Sean Hannity. Oh. He's really a nice guy. Well, why didn't you he call is. me? Why didn't you call I me? I tried. You wouldn't take my call. What can I say? So the minute he says that, I'm in the spin room with a thousand liberal reporters, and literally all of a sudden, whoosh, they all look at me. My phone's blowing up. Right. It was hilarious. They were all calling you. They felt bad. Yeah. See, liberals have a heart, man. We were worried about you. Oh, you were worried, but we were nobody worried calls me. about you that nobody calls you. I don't want that to be your life, man. Come uh, on. Did you see that? Listen to Alec Baldwin on Saturday Night Live. You could miss it. It was awesome. Oh, let's play it. I was against the war. Ask anyone in the world named Sean Hannity. I told Sean Hannity, call Sean Hannity. You told Sean Hannity on his show, and there's proof. No, I told him in private. <laughs> it was just me and Sean. Late at night, I leaned over and I whispered in his ear, Sean, I'm against the war in Iraq. And then he whispered in my ear, I'm against the war too. And the next thing I knew, I was kissing Sean Hannity. <laughs> Uh, I knew you guys were close. I hate Alec Baldwin. I hate to admit it was funny, but it was pretty damn funny. It was funny. You want to hear the best Alec Baldwin moment ever? So Alec Baldwin one day was trying out at my ex-wife station in New York to be a talk show host. And that's the ex-wife because I'm not there anymore. I'm on. I'm on. I got the new wife. So anyway, Alec Baldwin's trying out. Me and Levin call him at the same time. He walked out of the studio and quit that night. Swear to God. So then he goes to Philly. My affiliate in, in, in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia, WPHT, and we got a tape of it. And this is nothing is edited here. This is this is really him doing a radio talk show. Listen, um, when we come back, uh, uh, oh, we got some time. Oh, great. Well, we're gonna. Uh, when, when can we take some calls, Ivan? Listen, whenever we want. Do we, do we, we have calls that are on there now? Do no calls, calls yet. No, no calls, no calls yet. yet. No. What number do people call to get on the air, Ivan? Do we have that number? It's right there. <clears throat> oh, do I have the call number in front of me? Uh, oh, I'm so interesting. sorry. Interesting. Uh, interesting. That's interesting. 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 At, uh, at uh, uh, 1210 at PHT. Of course, any other questions you have, any other comments you Nobody have? Nobody call. Somebody call please us, call. Uh, <laughs> to the, uh, what else? Uh, uh, call us, please. This is at, real. To uh, 151210. Now, um, if you don't call, we're going to keep reading from the Scientology manual. <laughs> you might not feel it. You might not feel the energy right now. You might not feel uh, the swell of what's happening here. Do we have any calls yet there, Ivan? No calls. Let's read some more about Scientology. <laughs> Is Sean Hannity a Scientologist? Alec Baldwin posing the big questions tonight here. Uh, do we have any calls here yet, Ivan? No. None. Boy, it's just incredible. Unbelievable. Well, you guys, no 
<laughs> that all happened. Kind of feel I, for him listen, a little bit. You no, know. I don't. Not even a little bit. And then his mother, he called his mother to be a guest. Well, what else do you do? <laughs> yeah, at that moment. Hey, Michael, he sounded like one of those co-hosts you get from me when I'm out. Oh. <laughs> oh. All right, I got a question for both try, of you. I only try to bring the best. Uh, only the best. <laughs> so Drudge has up a picture of Bill Clinton when he was young, and the headline is, I'm Bill Clinton's son. I'm real. I want to meet my dad. He's going to do a TV interview. Who's doing this TV interview? Do you know? And there was no DNA test. I got to be. I, I, I don't. I'm even like, I don't believe it. I think this might be a distraction. You know what? When, when I was living, I got a name drop here a little bit. I apologize. But when I was living in, uh, in, in Los Angeles, I had bought Barry Manilow's house. And every other day, this kid came to the gate mm-hmm. claiming that he was Barry Manilow's son. Now, I'm pretty darn sure Barry Manilow didn't have a son. But I finally called him. I said, right. this guy keeps coming. He says, no, nah, he's a wacko. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there. Is like he as nice? I met him once, and he couldn't have been a, more, a nicer oh, he's guy. He's terrific. He's a re- good um, friend. So, I, well, anyway, what do you think about it, Michael Steele? To me, it's a distraction. But every, yeah. Now, all of this is a distraction. What if it turns out to be his son? Will it have an impact on the race? Oh, but, uh, yeah, sure it will. Shouldn't sure, be. absolutely it will. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, if a child for, for Bill Clinton pops up out of nowhere suddenly, yeah, it, it, it could be a problem. Um, because then it gets into, for Hillary and, and Bill, too, it becomes a question of, okay, so how long did you guys know this? Did you really know this? Then all the digging into whether or not they tried to conceal it and yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, for the campaign, this would be a real, real pain. It shouldn't matter, but this is the reality TV show race. Issues don't exist. So, yes, What about it the next debate? I would have this advice for Donald Trump. I would not answer any more stupid questions about... What he said 30 years ago uh, and what he said about women, birtherism. If I was him, every answer would be, well, we have the worst economy since the 1940s and the lowest labor participation rate, 12 million more Americans on food stamps and 8 million more in poverty. And I would ram that down her throat and I'd say, by the way, why did you abandon those four guys in Benghazi? And why did you lie about your email server? And why did you delete the emails? That's what I do. Two problems. One, you have to be prepared to be quick on your feet to do what you're saying. And two... He, it's a little bit different. Remember, the questions are coming from the audience in the second one. And it's a lot easier to stuff a moderator than it is to stuff a regular person sitting in the audience. He may not get away with it. What that. do you think, Michael? What would you advise? Well, the, the, I would advise what you advise, but the problem is that all the things you're telling him not to answer are the very things that he put into the conversation. So, you know, it's like he introduced or reintroduced birtherism to the campaign. So for him to now say, I'm not going to answer that, or asked and answered, it's just one of those things that people are like, wait a minute, you got you went five years beating the hell out of the president on this, so now answer these questions. So that was my concern with that from the very beginning. I, I was not a fan of opening up that door um, for this very reason, because in, as Rick noted, in a town hall meeting uh, with voters, they have a voter stand up and ask you a question, whether it's you know someone who supports you or someone who doesn't, on, on the question of birtherism or some other controversial point you've made makes it a little bit stickier. Uh, well, then maybe it's good they got it out of the way. Off the but I would, this is how I would answer it. I'd say, you know, look, I know that people are focused on that. I'm glad I solved the problem. But let me tell you what this election is about. It's about a choice. And the choice is, do you want Supreme Court justices like Scalia or Thomas or radical leftists that Hillary will appoint? Do you want to eliminate Obamacare or keep it? Do you want energy independence or do you want coal miners put out of work? Do you want education sent back to the states? Do you want us to vet refugees or do you want a 550 
50% increase in refugees. Do you think we should secure our borders or not? You know, to, I mean, there's so many different ways to pivot. You're right. No, it I, is I, about a choice. But so far, we're not talking about those choices. All you want to talk about is Alec Baldwin and, and <laughs> Donald Trump <laughs> you mentioning me. You loved it. Oh, God. Why are we friends? I hate you. How do you deal I with this guy every right day? right back. How do you deal with this guy, Michael, every day? It's called distance. <laughs> you guys are not in the same studio. We're not in the same. St- no, we are. Some, we are tomorrow night. New York. Yeah. By the way, you noticed, Linda? They never invited me oh, on the program. Linda, set him straight, Linda. We sure did. No, they did. But you were super busy last week. We're oh, trying to make it happen busy. for this week. You had bigger names. I'll do it. No, Actually, no, Rick. You names. were on vacation two days on the days no, he was available. I was only off one day, Friday. I was told two days. You somebody lied to you. Ooh. Michael was Damn gone. Liberals a few lying days. again. Damn liberals I was lying. Out two days. <laughs> liberals, look at Hillary lied to us about Benghazi. She lied about her email <laughs> no, server again didn't. and again. That she did. All right, who's going to be the next president? I honestly cannot answer this question. Everybody all weekend is asking me about my daughter's tennis tournament. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Who's gonna... I don't know. I don't either. You don't I know really. Don't. Michael, who do you think? Uh, I I I can't answer definitively, but as as I noted this morning, uh, I. I think this thing actually leans a little bit more to Trump than everybody wants to acknowledge is why you have this low-grade low hair on fire uh, going on between some of some of the folks in the media and some of the pundit types uh, on on talk shows. Um, there is, there, there's a reason why, Sean, there has been this sort of absence of, of public polling because a lot of private polling is showing a very, very disturbing, I use that term in quotation marks for liberals, uh, trend. Um, in the race, and it's, it's it's people trying to get their head around it to see if they can find a correction point. But I don't think there's one to come. Yeah, I don't know what Donald Trump can do at this point to to thirdly, thoroughly eviscerate any opportunity to get to the um yeah. to the White House that he hasn't already done. So well, actually, I, I think uh, that trend may be reversing right now. I think this week's going to be critically important. As I said to you, Sean, if I had to put money on it today, I would say Trump can win the popular vote. But I think Hillary still wins the Electoral College. It's going to be fascinating, guys. Thank you. As always. All right. And we'll call. All right. We promise we'll call. I'll, I'll definitely do your show. I love to. Not have to do the show. Oh, We're just going to call just shut so up. you're not lonely. Just, just shush up. <laughs> Hillary <laughs> wins. Good show. God we'll help us all. With that. <laughs> Linda, did you see, see the article written? Sean Hannity said, if Trump doesn't win, America dies. That's how crazy he's gotten. Isn't the media great? They're so stupid. They're so dumb. They're so gullible. They're so naive. Well, in many ways, I would argue continuing these policies is just, you know, more of the same American decline. That's a real belief I have. America die like that day? No. America's in decline. And you know it by all the numbers I give you on a regular basis, but whatever. You know, if you want to print America dies. Is uh, one of these little pipsqueak reporters wrote, Hannity's like an island at Fox. He doesn't listen to anybody. I'm like, yeah, I do. I have bosses like everybody else. It's, so, it's just so entertaining. You know what the problem is? What? Because at CNN, they get all their notes from the Clinton campaign in the That's morning. That's true. They do. So when they see someone thinking for themselves, it's, no. it's, it's literally it's shocking to their system. It takes them a while, you know. You know, to me, we'll pray for them, though. We, we hope that they recover. No, you're not going to pray for them. You curse them out as soon as you turn off your microphone. Don't act like you're all pious and religious on everybody here because we know. But it sounds come, good when you say it. Though, what's it? going to come flying out of your mouth is one F bomb after another now. So, you know, let's cut the crap and put the, the pretense away. But if it's the stenographers, who cares, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, look, I've just broken this election down to its simplest 
most fundamental level, and this is an election about Supreme Court justices saying radical Islam or not, vetting refugees or not, building a wall or not, eliminating Obamacare or not, uh, energy independence or firing coal workers. You know, it's it's very fundamental becoming energy independent or not. You know, do we want immigration or want to build the wall or not? Do we want education sent back to the states or more top down? Do you want more taxes and more government intervention and bureaucracy and regulation in your life or not? You want to believe in a global warming conspiracy so Hillary can continue to import money from her friends, the Saudis or not. And it's fundamental for me. And, you know, I keep saying to anybody, everyone keeps asking me all weekend long, the whole qu- same questions. Well, can't you, first of all, it's always, can't you get Donald Trump to stop tweeting at 3.30 a.m.? I'm like, no. Obviously, if I could, I would have. So the answer is no, I can't. Donald Trump is his own man. That's why they write these articles. Sean Hannity is an advisor to Donald Trump. Donald Trump doesn't take anybody's advice. He's his own guy. You know, for, and his instincts are very good, sometimes incredibly off. But I think for the most part, he's got the right vision for the future of the country and what we need to do. And that's why I'm supporting him. And people say to me, well, who do you think's going to win? Oh, we can. Do you think he's going to win? Do you think? Do you think? And I'm like, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know. He can win. But, you know, this country also voted for Obama twice. So I have no illusions that this country could be stupid enough to continue with more of the same. And what are you going to do then? I'm going to do what I do every day. I'm going to do a three hour radio show and a one hour TV show. And my conscience is going to be clear. My contracts are rock solid. I'm going to make money. But you know something? That's not what drives me. How many times have I said to you, Linda, what motivates me in this election? What what energizes me? What jazzes me about this election is we have an opportunity to fix this. You know, I look at these numbers and I go insane. I don't repeat them for my health. Ninety five million Americans out of the labor force. Lowest labor participation rate from the 70s. Everyone say it with me. Lowest home ownership rate in 51 years. Worst recovery since the Great Depression. Only president to never reach 3% GDP growth in American history. 12 million more Americans on food stamps. 8 million more Americans in poverty. You know, one in five American families, not a single family member working. One in six American men, 18 to 34, either in jail or, as Hillary says, living in their mommy and daddy's basement. And then, of course, he's accumulated more debt than 43 other presidents before him combined, which your children are going to have to pay back. That's what I say. That's what motivates me. Because America is supposed to be a country of freedom and opportunity. Limited government. You know, what motivates me is how can anyone believe her? You know, how can anyone trust her? She is a pathological congenital liar. The single most corrupt human being who has sold her office and lied to all of you repeatedly throughout her entire career. And the biggest hypocrite on the face of the earth as it relates to women's rights and gay and lesbian rights and freedom of religion and sticking up for Israel and Christians and Jews. She's full of crap or else she couldn't take money from the Saudis the way she does. But, you know, if the country decides to vote for her, I think it's kind of like 2008 for me. I feel like I did everything I can, everything to help educate people and go out on a limb and explain and in the simplest of terms, what's at stake in this election? And then you got all the never Trump people that have undermined this campaign and election from the beginning. You know what they're going to say? If, if Hillary wins, Hannity's fault. It's not my fault. 
it's not. Maybe it's their fault for being, you know, saboteurs and helping Hillary and staying home and, and doing everything they can do to undermine somebody that I think has a pretty conservative vision for the country. Um, so that fight is coming next. Glenn Beck was saying, oh, we got to all come together after the election. I'm not interested in coming together with a bunch of saboteurs. I just have no interest in that. And people that are myopic, you know, and I'm, I'm frankly, from a guy that gives a Nazi analogy a day, I'm kind of sick and tired of it. He had one of his cohorts there on a show compare me to a Nazi not that long ago. And I'm like, and then he goes on the air and says, I've never said anything about Sean Hannity. I've watched it. I've watched him talk about me, tear apart my monologues for one hour. What the hell he's talking about? You know, but, you know, you live with it. You live with her Supreme Court Just nominees. remember, Sean, remember this what? is a man who shoved his face in Cheetos. <laughs> Always remember that. Whenever you feel in doubt about you know, the sanity of this person that was once a friend. I Maybe if he wants to come together, he should have thought about that before he started name-calling like a five-year-old. Listen, it doesn't bother me. I expect I have been called any and every name that you could ever call somebody. And there's a lot that I could say about him and all these other people that I don't say. I'm just sticking to the argument, which is you sabotage, you stay home, you help her, and you own her Supreme Court nominees, you own her unvetted refugees, you own radical Islam being empowered because they know she's weak, you own every single thing every new illegal immigrant does in this country, you own a horrible educational system. You own the coal miners that will be fired and the coal companies that will be put out of business. You own Obamacare, and I'm standing by it. But there's still time. There's 36 days. 36 days. Not a, It's, it's going to go by very quickly, and the next thing you know, you're going to blink your eyes, and Election Day is going to be here. All right, let's get to our phones. Uh, Sandy is in California. Sandy, hi. How are you? What's going on? Good. Um, I really like what you do every day. I want to say that real quick. Um, Something I haven't heard people remember is is no matter what Donald Trump's done, Hillary Clinton's responsible for four dead men. And after that, this is the part I don't hear people remembering, she and Obama lied and lied and lied. And we know from the emails it was all a lie. Well, those guys doubled down, and they spent taxpayer money to make an apology video for the video. And I can't remember how much it is, but... uh, I I would just, is Donald Trump, <laughs> and I know he's got to do what he's got to do, but I would hit her with uh, the donations to the Clinton Foundation. I would hit her on the deaths of those four men. That really bothers a lot of us. I think Donald Trump needs the following for the next debate, and I think he did fine in the first debate. I think he showed that, you know, he wasn't going to be the crazy lunatic that the media and Hillary were painting him out to be. She dumped the kitchen sink. I think he left a lot on the table. I think he needs more details, and I would absolutely not play defense anymore. I wouldn't answer questions about taxes, comments he's made as uh, 25 years ago. I would turn everything into... Well, Hillary obviously is stuck in what I said 25 years ago, but I care about the four people that died unnecessarily in Benghazi. You know, I'm in this election to get the economy turned around for the 95 million Americans out of the labor force. You know, that's called pivoting. So, look, he's not a politician, and it's very hard to go before 100 100 million people and and do all of that. So I think he's got to attack her and get the positives out. It just kind of defense has got to be short and sweet. And uh, I really appreciate you. And I love Trump. I want him to win. Yeah, I do too. I think he'll be a good president. 
I think he'll do uh, a much better job than anyone has given him credit for. He is far more sober than people think. But he can certainly make improvements. Look, we all can make improvements. I listen to my radio show or TV show occasionally or watch my TV show, and I say, all right, I need to improve that. Staz is in Vegas. K-Don, what's up, Staz? How are you? Glad you called. Morning, Sean. Thanks for taking the call. Yes, sir. Um, you know, Donald needs to not take every fight that's offered him. He's got to remember in these debates that, that we've got a crowd now that's been listening to the liberal media and doesn't understand that this is a choice election yet. He's got to realize it's his show. And no matter what Hillary brings up, he needs a list of 20 to 30 bullet items. You just went through them all, along with Sandy brought a few good ones up there just now. Have those bullets, 20 or 30 bullets, have his writers expand on those bullets. And I don't care what she says. If it applies, one of those bullets applies, great. If it doesn't, pause, smile and talk about what he wants to talk about. Talk about one of those bullet choices. It's his show. He absolutely. to get in the mud. I absolutely agree. I think the, it's called a pivot. Uh, you know, Hillary, I know you want to talk about my tax returns. You know, Hillary, I know you want to talk about this because uh, you, don't, you can't run on any substance. You know, Hillary, I know the last thing you want to talk about is your failed Iranian deal. You know, Hillary, I know the last thing you want to talk about is you can't say radical Islam. You know, Hillary... I know the last thing you want to talk about is under Obama, we've doubled the national debt and we have 12 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty. That's why I'm running. That's what I care about. The American people and fixing the economy and protecting the homeland. That's it. It's not that hard. Um, do I think uh, it's, you know, look, it's easy for me to sit here in the privacy of a radio studio or a TV studio and tell everybody how to do it. It's a lot harder in real life, but it's not that hard. It's definitely doable. Anyway, thank you. Uh, Linda in New York, the all new AM 710 WOR, the talk of New York. How are you? Hi, how are you, Sean? I'm good. What's uh, going on? Well, you know, I called about a month and a half ago. I, I'm a Democrat. I'm a moderate. And I'm voting for Trump because... Hillary is just going to ruin the country. I can't stand her. But my problem is, Sean, and I'm concerned, I know he's got his base, but he's got to reach out to people like me more. I'm a professional woman, I'm middle class, um, and, you know, tweeting at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, is bothersome. It shows somewhat of a lack of self-control. And, you know, he did okay in the debate, but he should be five points ahead of Hillary. Because this woman has so much baggage. And my, I hope she loses so the Democratic Party will come back again right to the um, center and not be this left-wing socialist. Listen, let me uh, tell you my take on the first debate. I think he needed to get through that debate and without showing the country that, you know what, hey, I can stand mm -hmm. up here with her toe-to-toe. -to -toe. And he did a good job, of, especially in the beginning. I thought the first 35, 40 minutes of that debate, he was really good. Um, but I would say at times he became too defensive. He doesn't have to answer questions about birtherism or his taxes yeah. or her unloading on him about women. Who's she to lecture anybody? So <laughs> I would say he left way too much on the table about her. And I would, I would bring it all up because she's going to dump the kitchen sink again so i would have all that prepared i would have more in terms of detail and i would just uh, you know the only thing i would say to him is he does not have to answer their questions and that's the art of the pivot hillary i know you want to talk about my taxes i emailed them to you uh i'm sure you'll find them in your email but this is what i would do this is what but this is why i'm running that's it there's your pivot you know hillary i, I know you want to talk about uh what i said 25 years ago <laughs> 
You're the last person to lecture anybody on the treatment of women because all the money you took from the Saudis and how they oppress women. But what I want to talk about is why did you abandon those four guys in Benghazi and lie to us about it? You know, it's not that hard. So I would say that he did fine in the first debate, but that's the improvement I would make if anyone ever asked me. I agree with you. But, you know, I was in Paris in August and I was there two years prior. Yeah. And Oland, what he's done to that country, it's a shame. And you talk to taxi cab drivers there or you talk to waiters or waitresses, they want him gone. They do not like him. And my concern is... If she gets elected, we are going to have a female Olan in this country. And we're going to be where France is right now. And it's not in a good place. Listen, I got to tell you, America is not in a good place. That's what I keep warning everybody. America is in decline. Anybody that tells you any different is just lying to you. And I don't lie. So if America chooses to go forward with her and doubles down on stupid, then, you know, don't expect a different result. What's the definition of insanity? You know, doing the same dumb, stupid thing over and over again and expecting a different result. It's not going to work. So uh, it's really at this point up to the American people. To a certain extent, this is also up to Trump. You know, how well he'll prepare for these debates. I know he doesn't like to prepare and i think that if he does he'll do a lot better hi i'm michael rapaport and i'm kibi rapaport and together we're hosting rapaport's Rappaport's reality Reality Podcast. podcast we have a passion for reality tv and we're inviting you into our living room we're dissecting the drama and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today that is right Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.